there's a, a word I always use and I translate it into English and there's no one word that it translates and it's called amana. And it's an Arabic word that means accountability, responsibility, respect, and trust. That's how powerful that word is. And he was that for me. You know, he taught me that. But he was also, um, he had a very hard time dealing with a woman in manufacturing. <laughs> This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graf, here with my co-host, Lloyd Graf. Our guest today is Anissa Muthana. Her company, Pioneer Service Incorporated, runs 26-star CNC Swiss machines in a suburb of Chicago. Anissa is the daughter of Yemeni immigrants, who brought her up on the shop floor of a centerless grinding company. While other girls played with Barbies, she was reading micrometers and cleaning oil tanks from Cincinnati centerlesses. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. We are with Anissa Muthana, owner of Pioneer Service Incorporated in Addison, Illinois. How are you doing today, Anissa? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you, Noah? I'm good. I'm, I'm also with Lloyd now. Hi, Lloyd. Hello, Anissa. So, um, to get started... Anissa, why don't you give us, uh, just tell us what your business does and um, what you guys produce, and then I want to get get your story. Sure. So I'm president of Pioneer Service, and uh, we are a contract manufacturer. Uh, we are pretty much a Swiss machine shop. Uh, we make Swiss parts for all different types of industries. Uh, mostly under 38 millimeter, and uh, we've been in business since 1990. Okay, so you've been in business since 1990, but did you buy this shop? or N- No, this shop was owned by my uncle and his wife in 1990, along with four other partners. Uh, my uncle and his wife bought them out in 93, and that's when I joined in 1993, April, 26 years next month. Okay. And is it, I'm sorry, is it possible to close the door or am I? Or put... <laughs> the door is closed. Okay, good. Well, it's good ambiance. Yeah. So you started out working with your, with a different family business, correct? With your parents? That's correct. 
at the age of 11, my parents opened up M&M Quality Grinding in Chicago. Actually, they were in Elk Grove Village uh, back in 81. And uh, I, um, I was in charge of standing down the desks and coming up with a filing system. <laughs> and <laughs> my uh, older brothers were running uh, Sonos Grinders. And I was very envious of that at a very young age. Uh, obviously, at age 11, my father wouldn't let me near the machines. Uh, but by the time I was 13, uh, I had the privilege of running a machine. So they were older than you? Yes, both my brothers are older than me. What appealed to you about running a machine? So, you know, I know the stigma, especially back then, it was dirty and grimy, but it was a family business. That's how we spent our time together. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of it. I enjoyed seeing, you know, uh, a really dirty, sometimes rusty bar. Uh, that's what we started with. And then all of a sudden we put put it through the machine and they're nice and shiny. And um, I like the, the feel of micrometers. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I cleaned out tanks and I didn't mind it. I know that's not what most girls do. They usually have Barbies. And I had a, I was in charge of cleaning out oil tanks. And um, and it just, I I honestly, it's Did you have Barbies that, too or just oil no, tanks? I had no Barbies and I'm happy to say that. <laughs> no disrespect to Barbie and uh, those who uh, give Barbies to their children. But I just feel like uh, that was just not part of my life. And I'm um, thankful for what my parents have taught me because it, it taught me to be very street smart. It taught me to be savvy. It taught me how to work with people. And Barbie doesn't talk back. And Barbie Barbie doesn't have emotions. So I had to deal with, I think, um, I, I developed good social skills very young. And I, and I think that that had a lot to do with working in a family business because we cared. You know, my brothers and I saw my father succeed. They were, we were part of that. And we um, there was a lot of gratification from that. So your 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 parents are immigrants. My parents came from Yemen. My father came in the early '60s. Um, he started off actually in England, and then he went to California. I don't know why he chose the Windy City and didn't stay in California. I give him a hard time <laughs> about that. But um, but it is what it is, and I love Chicago. And my mother came early 69 and she got pregnant with me right away uh shortly after she had me she got a job in a grimy dirty screw machine shop it was i I believe thomas production or thomas something it's out of business it's no longer in business but Mm -hmm. back then my uh my father worked um at gemini metals he worked at banner uh and he was a sonos grinder and he was through Gemini Metals when he was working there many years ago, uh, through the grapevine, found a job for my mom at a screw machine shop. Now, just so you know, my mother came to this country and she came from a very poor country uh, in a farm area. She knew cows and chickens. She never held a pen, let alone had an education. And now this woman was taking buses and working in a factory. Her supervisor was Polish, didn't speak any English, <laughs> and she spoke no English, yet she was able to 
um, you know, develop into this real good uh, machinist. And she was in charge of deburring and sorting and cleaning. And they gradually, you know, put her up and entrusted her with uh, even supervision at one point. And she was making close to what my father was making as a sonos grinder. Wow. It's in your blood, for sure. Yes, yes. And of pride also. They're, they're very proud about, um, you know, where they came from, how they made it. They're very successful. M&M Quality Grinding is a Sonos grinding shop. It's been in business since 1981. It supplies a lot of screw machine companies with uh, ground stock, ground bar stock. So coming from that, and I left my father and mother's company back in 1993, uh, I knew the process. I knew the customers. I knew all of that. So coming into a screw machine shop was very different. As so why know. did you leave? I left... Um, well, to be honest, uh, my father was, um, he's a great guy and I love him. And because of him, we're in this country, because of his hard work, we have the bug, the manufacturing bug. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for everything that he's done. He's taught me so much um, as far as managing people. He's taught me how to be entrusted. You know, there's a, a word I always use and I translate it into English and there's no one word that it translates and it's called amana. And it's an Arabic word that means accountability, responsibility, respect and trust. That's how powerful that word is. And he was that for me. You know, he taught me that. But he was also, um, he had a very hard time dealing with a woman in manufacturing, <laughs> like many men. <laughs> I mean, even though his wife was in manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. And my mom, um, he, my mom is a very strong person. And, um, and in, but my father was dealt a card that he had to make a decision. And uh, he regrets the decision today. Uh, and I will always, you know, respect him but at that moment, I knew that my future, even though I couldn't see myself anywhere else uh, besides M&M, because that's where I was literally born and raised, in, in the shop floor of M&M Quality. And so I never saw myself being able to leave that or wanting to leave that. But um, an incident happened, and there was you know, a young uh, male employee who wasn't willing to listen to anything that I had to say. And my brother, who was the president at the time, was off sick, and I was next in charge. And mind you, I was um, <laughs> I was in charge of HR, receivables, <laughs> payables, and I had three of the top ten customers. Their number one customer today is my was my customer at that time. And so uh, I asked him to run an errand. He was only you know working for us for like two or three weeks, but he wanted it to be known that I wasn't his boss. So uh, he chose to say something very rude in front of the rest of the team. So I just asked him, I said, okay, you don't want to listen to me. That's fine. Just go home. Come back when my brother's here. I don't need to deal with you right now. And um, he went to my father and my father um, sided with him. Wow. And so, yeah, that was very difficult at the time. And my father doesn't remember this. You know, my father still asks me, when are you coming back? <laughs> God. <laughs> He's like, you know, this is temporary, right? I'm like, 26 years, Dad. <laughs> but, and, but that just shows you that 
he loves me and he's proud of me and I love him. Um, and he just made the wrong decision, but the right decision, because if he didn't make that decision, I wouldn't be who I am today. So in one hand, true, I wish he would have sided with his daughter, the person that has been there for, you know, what, 12 years at that point, um, versus someone that was just new and, and, um, just not an, uh, a team player. Uh, but but at the same token, I thank him for it because I would have never learned about screw machines and Swiss machining and had um, the uh, control that I have today and and the passion and and the legacy I hope I leave for my uh, children and grandchildren. Yeah, well, maybe it was something that was just it was going to happen. If it didn't happen that way, maybe it was going to mm-hmm. happen a different way. And there's always a silver lining in everything. So it's just a matter of looking for it. But you still talk to him then. That's Ab- good. Absolutely. I saw him this morning. I took him breakfast, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then you left that family business. But, yes. But uh, what, what, where did you go from there? What did you do the next day after you so, said, I'm, I'm out of here? So what had happened was my uncle, um, prior to that incident, has asked me to join him um, in any type of position, whether it be an employee, a partner. He just wanted me um, to work with him, for him, in any means. This was your dad's and, brother or your mom's no, brother? No, this is my mother's brother. Okay. And uh, and he was he's um, younger than my mother. He's about, I think, about 15 years younger than my mother. So he was the cool uncle in my life. Mm-hmm. And he was always in my life from from my childhood. He played a significant role. And I remember him and I, when I used to work with my parents, and he did too at one point, we used to come home together. And he used to say to me, I remember when I was about, I, I think about 13, 14 years old, and that's when cell phones just came out. And we were actually on I-90 paying the toll. And this red convertible uh, passed us, and she had a cell phone. And I, I, you know, my parents never really taught us about being materialistic, but that was just a wow moment. Like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's a really cool car, and it's a woman, and she's got a big, you know, at that time, it was the cell phone was as big as your engine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and I looked at him like, wow. And he looked at me, and he said, one day, you're going to have better. And you and I are going to do something. And this was when I was a, t- a young teenager. And, um, and we were working, um, not the night shift, but we were working late hours. And, um, and, and I remember that. And then when he kept calling on me, it just took me back to that moment. But I never wanted to leave Eminem. But then when I had a reason, I called him. And I said, so you've been asking me to come on board. And he says, yeah, are you, you know, he, he got excited right away. And he was looking to retire. He started so, Eminem on his own? No, no. Or, no. Not Eminem. He started Pioneer. Pioneer on his own? He had, he had a few partners that he bought out before he even called on me. He had no partners. It was just him and his wife. And my, my uncle is a machinist. He's a sonos grinder. He's not a business person. And, um, and so he needed somebody to have the business mind and to run the operations. And so I called him and I met with him and, uh, and I looked at him and I said, listen, I'm going to take the entire responsibility and I will pay for my shares. I don't want, I don't want to come in free, whatever you're paying, 
um, you know, your ex um, partners, I will pay the same or more, whatever you feel is fair. And we came up with an agreement and I paid for my shares. And I said, but I have one condition. And he's like, anything, what? I said, you will be my silent partner. And he's like, done. I said, and you will pull it out as far as I, as far as profits and I will pull out a salary and we will have the same income every year. I will not make any more than you. That way you never come and second guess what I'm doing because I know you're going to agree to it today, but 10 years from now, 20 years from now, that might change. And he's like, you don't have to do that. You're going to do all the work. You deserve a salary. I said, you're right, <laughs> but I don't want it any other way. And I feel like this way, I'll feel good about it. You'll feel good about it. And you'll never question my intentions. And going back to the word Amana, my uncle knew me and he knew me very well. Um, and, and how I dealt with money with, even though I was 23 years old at the time, he knew what I did for Eminem and he, he, he couldn't have, um, trusted me more. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Did you go to business school or something, or are you just sort of naturally uh, good with accounting and business? I, I did take some classes and workshops, but I do, don't, do not have a formal education. Okay. So my uncle agreed which I was very happy. And 26 years later, he's still happy and I'm still happy and we're still partners and he's still my silent partner. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was still in it. Okay. So, Oh yeah. Okay. So you started, it was a Brown and Sharp shop when you came in. Yes. My uncle's goal was to turn it into a grinding shop. He wanted to compete with my family <laughs> and, um, you know, it, no disrespect to him, but he wanted to do brown and sharps, but he also wanted to um, grow it into a grinding shop. And, and and that was part of the reason why I needed him to be a silent partner, because I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to compete with my family. Uh, so I've never done bar grinding. I've always sent bar grinding to them and they sent me piece part grinding. And so um, there's no competition ever. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was a brown and sharp shop, most of it, and grinding. We did uh, our own sales grinding. We did in-feed, through-feed, and we still do. Uh, and, uh, but we only have two brown and sharps that we're going to be getting rid of uh, by the end of next quarter. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> From th 30 to 2 to 0, which is good. So what was the first machine you decided to, to upgrade to after you uh, decided you were going to upgrade? CNC Turning Center. We uh, purchased a Samsung. Uh, it's a two and a half inch uh, diameter capacity up to eight inch chuck, uh, which I wouldn't say was my best decision. Uh, it was, I 
consulted a few people. I had, I, I, I went to a bunch of shops. I saw the Haas. I saw that. It was a little cheaper than the Haas, and I decided to go with that based on a CNC um, consultant that I had. And that was the last time I used a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it, I don't regret the decision. It was a learning curve uh, for sure. Uh, and then within a two years after, actually a year and a half after purchasing my first Samsung, then that's when I went into Swiss uh, CNC. Okay, and then with Swiss, you what do you have, stars? I have 25 stars. Actually, I'm getting the 26th next week. Very nice. And the Samsung, you, you got rid of those, right? You, I think you came to us a, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. We talked to them about them. Yes. We're actually, um, yeah, we're done with the Samsungs. Okay. Uh, we were talking about... Um, I mean, first of all, you, you're a woman, fortunately, you're, you're our second woman, uh, to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about time. Uh, you have a lot of women who work at your shop. We have, uh, 42% of our employees are women, uh, including the shop and, uh, 50% in management. Okay. And have you sought out? Uh, women to hire? Um, how Have you tried to re- recruit them more? Why Why is that? I, I know, have you met uh, Turo? Um, uh, Dave Turo in the PMPA? He has a lot of, a uh, very high percentage of women at his shop as well. Um, yeah, I've met him. I've never been to his shop. We, we actually talked uh, the last conference, but we didn't really talk about women and although I he did come to the women of PMPA dinner which I thought was very nice of him mm-hmm. um, because it's not to exclude men uh, so just to talk about women in manufacturing in general I don't hire women because they're women I hire people because they're qualified I make the environment comfortable for women I make the envir- uh, environment comfortable for men uh, in all different types of diversity. You know, I have African Americans, I have Latinos, I have Middle Easterns, I have Caucasians, I have Europeans. So I have all different types of backgrounds in my shop and in my um, management and even as far as my administration. So it's very important for me not to seek out women, but it's important for me that if there's a qualified candidate out there, or someone that is hungry um, and, and, and appreciates manufacturing, I want to be able to develop that person or to tap into that person's expertise and bring that person on um, to make my company grow. And if I limit myself to a pool of just women or just men uh, or any kind of, you know, whatever, however you want to categorize it, I'm limiting my success and my innovation and my growth. Well, how and do you get how do you get the women to I mean women my my impression is that a lot of women don't don't consider manufacturing as a career. So you have less candidates, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm am I wrong? So it it's 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 bigger than that, Noah. First of all, women will apply. I've talked to some of my colleagues, and I'll give you an example of um, an interview. And this is someone just telling me the story of interviewing a woman. When he interviews a woman, 
He puts her on the shop floor and makes sure that she's able to set up the machine. He puts her through tests that he wouldn't put the men through because he doesn't think she can do it. So if someone's going to walk through your door and feel that she's already being tested or being challenged or second guessed, Mm -hmm. she's not going to feel comfortable even if you were to end up offering her a job. Ah, and so that's a pretty, do you think that's a, that's a pattern you've seen with other people I have too? Seen, I have heard it several times that, and, and he would even, he even told me and he was proud of himself. He was, he's probably going to hear this and know it's him. <laughs> so, uh, he, he, he literally was with a straight face saying, uh, yeah, no, we, we hire women. And, and he was telling me how she came in and, and I asked him, I said, Oh wow! You you put your operators through your your. I think it was actually a setup person. You put your you have these tests, these involved tests in your um, interview process. They agree to do this. He's like, oh no, it was just because I couldn't believe that she would she would be able to do it, but she did it. And I was just like, okay. And so I've heard that was one of many different types of scenarios that, and and I hear it from the women that I've hired. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one woman in particular. I have about five Swiss operators that are women. And um, one of them in particular is very young. She's in her uh, probably like early to mid 20s. And I say very young because I'm no longer in my 20s. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and she was telling me about working at one of my competitors and how he paid more than I paid her. But she walked into my shop and saw other women on the shop floor. And she said, this is a place I can work at. This yeah. is a place I'll feel comfortable in. And just to tap into women in manufacturing just a little bit more. And, and I understand we don't want to divide. We don't want to exclude the men. That's not my intention. And I've said these in board meetings, several board meetings in the past. I feel comfortable. I don't need women of manufacturing, women of any type of association. I'm fine going to events, to conferences, and I'll hang with the guys. I'll be on the shop floor. I I joke and I say I'm more comfortable on the shop floor than I am in a mall because that's where my environment's been since my childhood. Now, mind you, other women don't have that confidence, don't have that experience. So when they go on a trip to a conference and they're the only woman they're going to want to seek out other women. So it's not a matter of choosing women over women. It's just, okay, you know, women traveling. There's, you know, at times women don't feel safe going into a hotel room by themselves. Right. You know, walking in a parking lot at night by themselves. But knowing that there's other women there make them feel more comfortable. So one of the things that I'm doing, giving back to the industry that's been so good to me, is promote it. Promote it to the youth, promote it to the millennials, promote it to women, to people that don't necessarily choose manufacturing as a career. And in doing so, it's not excluding the, you know, the veterans or the men or, or any race. It's just that we're promoting it. That's, that's what I wanted to say about, um, women of, a manufacturing or women of any type of, you know, um, having these kind of, um, I would say, uh, 
platforms for women to come to and feel comfortable with. And it's not to just um, exclude the men. We welcome men to join in and give their feedback and, um, and listen. And there's no big secret going on. Your own family. You, you have children, right? I do. And I have grandchildren. Wow. Uh, you, are, you look younger than you might be. <laughs> I'm going to be 50. I'm proud of my age. I'm going to be 50 this year. All right. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank uh, you. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you said your one of your children was in Afghanistan? One of my children served in the Army for seven years, and part of that, he was deployed to Afghanistan. Okay. And are any of your children going into the business with you? I have two sons, and um, one is in HVAC and chose not to go into the uh, manufacturing industry. And I have a younger son um, who is now 29 years old. And after serving, he is um, going to school at UIC and uh, comes and works part time. Uh, and he helps with the lights out situation over the weekend. He also um, comes in and interns or I shouldn't say intern. He's no longer an intern, but runs machines um, during his breaks. Interesting. Uh, but do you think do you th- do you think he's going to? come work at the business or is this just you know he's one of the things he's doing in his life and he's working towards other things maybe you don't want to speak for him no um him and i have talked about this uh, many times he loves the company especially now with all the new technology he didn't like it when it was brown and sharps i don't know why (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah he, he he loves the programming the operating of the Swiss machine. He, um, he's worked in every part of the company as far as quality and deburring and cleaning. And so he has, um, a, a strong backbone and he is, um, definitely, um, interested in, uh, becoming a leader of the company. But what is even more important to me is that he earned the right of leadership. And also, um, once he gets his degree, I want him to take a step back and really assess what he wants to do. I don't want him to feel um, an obligation to take over because he can still be successful wherever he chooses to go. And then I also, it's not going to be a matter of... Um, giving it'll be a matter matter of earning and so and him and i have that understanding and we're taking it one step at a time there's no rush i'm not even 50 yet so um, (laughs) uh, there's not going to be any taking over the business yet and it might be him it might be one of my grandchildren it might not i i don't know uh totally different uh related question um you know you you you're a Muslim woman. You wear a hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. When you go to visit customers, for instance, or you go to a conference, um, you mm-hmm. you know you have two you have two interesting things about you. Number one, you're a woman. Number two, you know you you are a Muslim and you wear a hijab. Do you feel? I mean, you seem like a very very confident person. Uh, but how does that make you feel when you are, I mean, look, you go to the PMPA meeting and it's probably, what, one African-American person in the whole place? I mean, it's, it's a very homogenous group. And how, how do you feel? So it's, it, 
it really doesn't, I don't overthink things. This is who I am. If someone has a problem with it, uh, it's their problem. If someone has a question or is interested in learning more, I'm very transparent type of a person. I love to converse. I'm a social butterfly by nature. <laughs> and so I don't really, I don't see myself as a hijabi woman in manufacturing. I see myself as a human being that wants to do well and wants to leave an impact in this world in a positive way. In manufacturing, humanitarian, through my family, through my friends, and my networks. And so if I were to think about that, I would limit myself. And I won't do that. I've, I made a decision to wear my hijab at age 29. And it was only when I educated myself about my religion and the purpose behind it. And when I did that, I do it strictly for my, th through my strength and my love for my Lord. And when I do that, and I know that it's the Almighty that is the reason behind it, why would his mere creations be an issue for me what, when what, I'm doing what it is for it, him? What is it? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, sure. Just can you explain the significance of it? A hijab? Yeah. It, the, the core of it is humility. Um, and um, keeping me intact that when I converse with you, Noah, I'm not leveraging my beauty or my sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you are hearing Anissa and you are seeing Anissa and who she is and there's no added distractions. And so in this society nowadays, Unfortunately, yeah. hijab becomes a distraction, right? Yeah. But that's not my fault, and that's not my problem. And I, and for me, and I don't want mean to sound um, arrogant about it at all, because the whole purpose of wearing it is about being humble. But at the same time, I'm not doing it for others. I'm doing it for myself and my relationship with God. And when I start second guessing myself and not knowing the purpose behind it. And making it a fashion statement or making it, um, you know, making it convenient for others, then I've really defeated the purpose of why I'm wearing it. So, you know, um, wearing it is basically removing that sexuality factor. That's really what it does. And then hijab is not just a piece of cloth, it's a personality. So if I'm wearing hijab, yet I'm acting in a very flirting way, then I've really not wearing hijab. It, there's no purpose behind it. Right. So it's supposed to put you in a certain mindset. Well, it, it's, it goes with that. It, it, it goes hand in hand with the mindset. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. This has been really fascinating. There's a lot to be learned from your self-reliance. You know, it seems like you, you put a big importance on being an independent person and making it for yourself. And um, it's, I don't know, it's something I really admire. Thank you, Noah. And what, what's even more important is that, you know, um, I remember I, I was actually interviewed uh, by someone not too long ago. And, and, uh, and, and the question was, 
you know, how, how am I different? How am I different from everyone else? And it kind of went into what you said earlier about when I go to conferences or visit customers. And what I really rely on more than anything, and I know it sounds cliche and it's an overused term, but humanity, you know, and, and being authentic. And so if I'm, if I, I lead by the heart, my, that's my nature. And so when I lead by the heart and my intentions are hopefully good, Mm-hmm. And people see that. How can they hate that? Whether they want to do business with me, whether we have a relationship or not, it's not like I'm going to leave something and say, I hurt this person and this is, you know. Um, so in the end, it's all about humanity. It's all about what kind of legacy do we want to leave, whether you're in manufacturing or any other industry. If you're a leader and you're leading well, it won't matter who's who you're leading if it it were be women men you know hijabis non-hijabis mm-hmm. it won't matter because your intentions are good and you're looking for the good for all and not for only yourself so that i think is what i want to leave behind um that's what i that's what i that's the impact i want to leave well i i, I mean for it you you've given me that impression that impact and and i i know from talking to a lot of other people they people who have met you they think a lot of you and your company so i'm really glad that i gotten to know you a little bit more um and i thank you for being on the podcast yes me too thank you thank you for having me yeah it's been fascinating i'm glad you enjoyed it i enjoyed it as well Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos. And of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.